0: Welcome to Designed By Us, the show where we discuss how humans design the world. My name is Luigi. And on the other side of the screen, we have Ravi Chohan. And today we're going to be talking about our very first experience in Web Summit in Lisbon. We had a great chance to to visit, hang out with really cool startups and attend a few really interesting talks. And I just want to walk you through. The reason why we, we want to do this here is because it seems like people who, who go to web summit ravi correct me if i'm wrong first how are you doing man
1: i'm good thanks for asking yeah thanks for you doing?
0: I I was, that was very unpolite from me that was very very unpolite um i'm doing well and to, tell me more how 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 is life in ravi chohan's mind now
1: oh, you know it's tiring you know we've we've just come back tiring. From, from lisbon yeah and, um, and? two us i don't think i'm over the whole travel thing pandemic travel thing what about you Mm, I would say I'm used to it. Well I just still get very stressed by it. Even when I'm back. You get really stressed by very
0: minor things as well, so that's 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 I I, I feel that's over exaggerating.
1: Anyway. It's literally the most stressful thing in my life. What's stressful about it? you I'm have joking, to I'm, joking, I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm
0: joking.
1: yeah, no, you've got to yeah, fill out a four and then you've you've got the tickets and then if you don't make it, you know, if you met, and then you've got to get your vaccine check vaccine checked every single time you enter and you don't have the right paperwork and all this kind of stuff. Like, and then also you know, if you, if you lose your, uh, your tag, once we work this later at web summit, they put on like a, a wristband, uh, like you're at going to a festival and they give you this kind of lanyard thing. And if you lose either of them, you have to pay a hundred euros, um, in order to get back into the event. And it's like a three or four day event. Right. So that's a, that's a problem. So I'd say throughout that entire trip in Lisbon, about 5% of my brain was just focused on, all right, where is my wristband which is obviously my wrist but also where's my where's my lanyard you know i have to be
0: honest i i i used to be that person that maybe five or six years ago that traveled and got to the airport maybe an hour later an hour before the the, the flight like like super late right you're supposed <laughs> to be much earlier but i would be really chill around traveling until mm-hmm. one day i was in brussels and i was go i was still going to take a plane from brussels to madrid Many things happened the night before, and somehow I went to the wrong airport. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Since there, I, since since that time, I feel I have uh, some PTSD around traveling, and I just go really early now, <laughs> so I over 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 prepare. But it, it, I don't think it's stressful for me; it's just over prepare. Anyway, and so WebSummit, Um What do you think about it?
1: Yeah, I thought it was awesome. You know, I a... Yeah? Say- Web Summit is a, how, how long was it? Four days, right? It's
0: a four-day conference,
1: yeah. Yeah, four-day tech conference. And and for, you know, what's interesting is the definition of tech, right? Uh, they seem to take a definition that, quite a broad definition. Uh, and so they, they bring in all the, like, you know, new startups who've been around for, like, four weeks, all the way to companies like Cisco and Amazon and that kind of stuff. So it's not really, I wouldn't say it's like a startup conference, or there's plenty of startups. I'd say it's more a tech conference. What do you think?
0: Well, I think they... The, the broad part they took it too far, Do you <laughs> even think? Even bring in, yeah bringing people like Iker Casillas or or uh, Thierry Henry or or other football players is a bit a bit too far in my opinion but
1: yeah no, uh, I know it good.
0: What mean. It, it's it's just a matter of bringing those big names to attract other other user base I guess but uh, overall I enjoyed it I still attended. it worked for me I still attended most of the football player uh, talks that I, that I had <laughs> so
1: why not nice nice yeah. nice all right so cool.
0: so let's let's start with with francis Hogan hogan can't really pronounce that last name but uh she's a facebook whistleblower the the it's in in short uh, i don't know if you have been following the news recently but she came to west web summit and she she was a person who a very a product manager at facebook who decided to release uh, a set of papers that basically Put Facebook in a very bad light, in which, based in, in short, they, these papers say that Facebook is aware and that, that their product is causing harm to their users, um, mm-hmm. especially teenagers, and they are not doing anything about it. Um, any any thoughts on takes for, from this call on your side, from this from this talk on your side?
1: Yeah, I mean, from my point of view, I think uh, Francis Halvian is a really cool person. Um, and a big, a big, this was a big deal because not only did she, yeah. you know, blow the whistle on Facebook, but this was her first, uh, like physical in public appearance that she's ever done. Um, which was, which I found really interesting. Um, you know, obviously she broke the news during the pandemic, but also she, I don't know whether she said this, I think she did that she said she had social anxiety or has social anxiety. I and mean, mm-hmm. it was, Yeah. That she was doesn't like
0: of, to be the center of attention yeah.
1: Yeah, that's what she said, yeah. yeah. And that was really interesting. Um you know, overall, you know, I completely um I really respect the fact that she came out and said what she said and and showed the world what she showed. Um and yeah, I think it's interesting you kick off a tech conference with somebody who is saying, "Hey, look, this is all the bad things that tech has done recently." Um yeah. that was quite interesting, but she still seems to be a big believer in Facebook's capacity to change uh, and be better and she wants a, a better a better Facebook rather than a a deletion of Facebook, I'd say.
0: Yeah, yes. A, this a very interesting thing that she said was that um, one of the counterarguments from from the Facebook side is that a lot of these documents they were taken out of context, and you you, you didn't have a, a actually a full picture of what Facebook is is actually doing or their goals and and their mission, and and these just documents are cherry picked just to put Facebook in the worst light possible, and. One of the things that she said, well, there is a very easy solution to that. Release more documents that actually show the full picture. If that's actually the case. And, uh, she apparently she has said that openly to Facebook and of course, Facebook hasn't done it. Um, so I really think that she's a very powerful agent as well. And what I really liked is that she never was, she was like, Hey, this is a problem, but she was not really antagonizing Mark Zuckerberg or showing hate um, vocabulary or behavior to, to anyone at Facebook. It was more like, there is a problem and I feel Facebook has a much a much higher, a potential to make much a much higher impact than what they're doing right now. And mm-hmm. this is something that we need to change. So I, I really appreciate the way she spoke as well. I even saw that I actually consider deleting Facebook. Did that ever cross your mind?
1: Uh, I I haven't used the, I haven't got the apps on my phone apart from Instagram and WhatsApp which is a big thumbs down, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, I didn't really use Facebook anyway, so it doesn't really make a big deal difference to me.
0: Well, 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 Facebook as a whole, Instagram is part of this. I would say WhatsApp yeah. is the least affected, but Instagram is a big player in that.
1: Yeah, yeah. hundred percent. Yeah,
0: definitely. So have you considered deleting
1: work for Instagram? Uh, I need it for, I need it for work. When, you, when you're marketing, you need to have access to these things. That's actually a big issue as well. The only option you
0: have to do online marketing is a Facebook. Another part of going to web summit is speaking to all the amount of, of startups that they have in there. It's actually very overwhelming. I don't know how you found it, but I, I was trying to speak to a, first I was trying to do a full-time job and I was trying to enjoy this conference as much as possible. So it was really overwhelming for me at first. Uh, but I was, I really enjoyed speaking to, to many startups. I wish I had spoken too much or I prepared more. So a big advice is go there with a mission and speak with try to cherry pick the people you're going to speak with beforehand. And I think that's very important, but many interesting startups. And the the, the the reason why it's interesting is because whatever people are speaking about today, well, it might be, it might be a little bit diluted now, but in WebSummit, usually people who go there are very early early adopters. So whatever people are talking about today is actually going to catch up in the rest of the world in the next year or two. So what's, what's your favorite startup that you spoke with? Or that you saw in uh, uh
1: It's tough to say, actually, because you you, you see so many early-stage people. You must people. have one, man. You must have one. You see, you see so many early-stage people, right? You see yeah. loads and loads of early-stage founders and, and that kind of stuff. I can tell you my favorite company. But yeah. Maybe not my favorite startup. Go for it, yeah. Uh, it has to be Magic Leap. I was really, really impressed by uh, the, the new CEO. Forgive me. I can't remember her yeah. name, But you said, go to that talk. And I yeah. did. And I found it really, really interesting. And I thought... I think one of the best things about Web Summit is, yes, there's there's loads of startups and that kind of stuff there as well. But you literally, you literally, you, you can go and maybe not speak to, you, but hear from like 30 different CEOs, right? Over yeah. the course of over the course of, of, of the week. And the same is Peggy Johnson. Peggy, Peggy Johnson, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Of course, yeah. yeah. And you can basically just say, you know, if you want to be a CEO, if you want to be successful in your career, whatever else it might be, you basically got all these people that you can kind of like, look at okay how are they acting what are they like you know and also i think because we're both at the start of our careers maybe i don't know whether you feel like this it's kind of make a decision about the kind of career that you want and who you who you want to be mm-hmm. at least i felt like that and i thought peggy johnson was just super articulate um and and the things that she's done at magic leap um some people might not know they're like an ar um glasses kind of company and they're pivoted into b2b um after kind of a bit of a tumultuous time um and some would say like an overvaluation we work style. And yeah, she's just very, very straightforward and straight to the point and, and really knowledgeable about the product and the space. And I thought it was really, really cool. Um, yeah. And what I was surprised by all these CEOs is just how long-term they think. And just like, doesn't really matter about what they're currently doing right now, but they're thinking super long-term about their company and its place in the world. Um, and sometimes, you know, you can look at that and you say, oh, they're just speaking in buzzwords or whatever, or whatever else it might be. You know, they're just like, Yeah, I think this and the other, but if you can kind of get past that, you can kind of understand that they're trying to look ahead, uh, which I think is really
0: cool. Yeah. What the reason why I told you that you should go to that talk is I've been listening to a few podcasts from her since she took over. Mm -hmm. And what I think is really impressive is that she took this almost bankrupt, overvalued company and uh, she, she had the guts to, to take over as a CEO and to be honest, that uh, you you have to really believe in their product and to to be to actually see a value and a future for you to do that and, and to turn around the company. So I think I think she has she has a really really good potential. Mm. Um. So I agree with you. That was a very interesting. Um. Yeah. Yeah. What? Know, you, you can ask me. What? Well, what about you, Luigi? For anyway, oh, okay, Luigi. What uh, was your? No, it's okay. Starter? It's okay. Mine, mine. It doesn't matter. You don't have to ask me all. This is a monologue today.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I just talked. <laughs>
0: All right. Uh, my favorite startup, and I did have a favorite, was Koa, a chocolate without cocoa. By the nice. way, have you you haven't received your chocolates, right? No, I haven't, no. So follow, if if you want to find out or, or get a, a free sample of these chocolates, you can follow the link in the show notes. But anyway, um, so Koa is a, is the a world's first 100 cocoa free chocolate. And for those of you who don't know, I'm really, I really love chocolate. I quit. They could eat tons of chocolate a day. And in fact, there is one really interesting stat that I saw on their website, which is the average human be, being in the in the in Western countries eats between five to nine kilograms of chocolate a year.
1: Bloody hell. It's, it's, it's awesome. incredible. Nine do, you of, do you think you're above or below average?
0: Uh, no, I would say I'm close to the nine kilos. Do you reckon? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I mean, you, you have to, do the math. I would say I eat about a 100... 100 grams of chocolate a week a bit more yeah. or less let's say 100 100 let's say 120 or 100 just to round the numbers that's about what 5.2 kilos yeah 5.2 kilos i would say a bit more so let's let's get it to six wow that's crazy yeah. i think it's pretty nuts i never thought yeah, that way nuts. but the, the fact the thing i eat five six kilos of chocolate i hear it's nuts anyway <laughs> um so so their solution the thing is cocoa plantations are in the world if if you If you see the growth of that market, the cocoa plantations need to follow that growth and they are very unsustainable and they're very bad for the the environment. Most of the chocolate that we consume in the world is uses uh, unfair labor. Um, the, the way that they produce it, it requires about 24,000 liters of water to, to, to maximize the growth of these plants in, in the world, which is about 1.5 times more water to produce one kilogram of beef based on what they have on their website. So mm-hmm. I thought it was really interesting. And the reason why it's interesting is because I'm not sure I will enjoy a cacao free chocolates, mm-hmm. but they, they said in their experiment that 99.9% of the people can't find the difference.
1: So yeah, I want to try it out. I reckon this is the way that we're going to be eating, you know, hundred years from now. Like, I don't mean this yeah. in a bad way, but like ultra processed food. Like, that's very, very kind of like, hey, we can't get X right now because the climate is totally messed up or it's very expensive or whatever else it might be. And, uh, you know, I could see, you know, our kids' kids eating Koa. And I think it's a very forward thinking company.
0: I think that's nuts. I, that, I'm completely against that. Like our relationship with with food is just gonna keep going worse and worse. Yeah, there's I nothing better agree. than grabbing something fresh from the ground and eating it without even washing.
1: It. I agree, but then at the same time, if this if this kind of thing is like more environmentally sustainable, it's like less kind of like natural, but it's more environmentally sustainable, isn't it? So it's it's that sure. balancing act. But you you don't know the long term effects that that can have on
0: you. Yeah, of course. Like, yeah. Processed foods has so much anyway, that's, it's not the, the point of this episode, but anyway, if you want to try it out, just, uh, this turned out to be a bad advertisement for Ko in the end, but anyway, <laughs> uh, just go this the, goes to the link in the show notes and, and test that out. Um, so going forward yeah. so that, that was the first day we, we got to experience this in the second day. I saw quite an interesting talk from the, the Alexa, uh, VP of Alexa at Amazon, which his name is Tom Taylor. And he talked about quite a few interesting things. Did you go to this talk in the end or no? No, I didn't know. No. Okay. And one of the things that I want to talk to you about is self-serve AI, which I thought was really interesting. And the reason is that the name of the talk was why does Amazon wants you to stop talking to Alexa, um, now and mm-hmm. I went there and I thought it was really interesting and that the whole point of the conversation was get self-serve AI in the tools of, of everyone and self-serve AI. Do you know what it is? No. No. It basically is, is, is using uh, a bunch of no code, um, frameworks or, or let's say drag and drop, uh, boxes that allows you to build relationships in your, in your device, or in ca- this case, your Alexa. Uh, so you can create systems that automate things in your house. So whenever you you wake up, or whenever you uh, arrive at, ha- at the ha- at the house, whenever you uh, after certain times, after certain uh, behaviors that you do with other devices that are connected in your house, those trigger other things, and they know what's going on. So, um, so that's basically what what it is is, and uh, the ability of you to create certain AI behaviors based on whatever is happening around you right um, so basically
1: the point is like i wouldn't have to say alexa turn the lights on the lights would just yeah. be on
0: in the right way yeah we'll right turn time. on whenever yeah. it senses that you are passing by for whatever i don't know maybe through your phone or through a light sensor etc
1: that's a really interesting idea like you know i was thinking today actually I was, I was trying to make a phone call and um i went into my contacts clicked the person clicked the number of that person and then made the call and I was thinking, God, this is so slow. And I was thinking, why does this feel so slow? I don't have to put the number in. And then, I, then I realized that nine times out of 10, when I want to make a call, I say, hey, S word, call cool, so-and-so. And, and and now, like before, you going into your context stuff, I like used to feel like the quick way. And then now voice is the new quick way. And then now it's going to be like, okay, how can we get you to interact without having to use your voice? Because we see that as too high friction. That's pretty crazy.
0: Yeah, I agree with you, man. Um, didn't Amazon just hire a bunch of people for voice. I'm trying to find a stat, but I can't find it. They hire a crazy amount of, 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 I think it's in the hundreds, thousand employees, uh, just to work on voice. Wow. So I think that's pretty crazy. Uh, I, you're completely right. Is, is how can we remove the friction even more and make it more? This <laughs> is just really nuts. There's going to be a point where we are not going to even interact with our devices. Right? Yeah. Devices are just going to be there. And that's it. You don't need maybe open.
1: like going into the supermarket with the automatic door. You just walk up to it, and it opens. You don't even think about interacting. Yeah, it,
0: yeah. It, it just the interaction is the output, right? Is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When it, you just get it done, you don't even yeah. have to put any input into it. Uh, so cool, I actually. thought it was really, really, really interesting change of, of perspective. Mm. Um, and the other one is putting a brand on top of the the Alexa system, which is a Hey Disney Assistant program which is a device that Disney is implementing in their parks, hotels, and resorts that uses Alexa and allows you to interact with whatever is around you in the park and make the, the, the not the park, but the... And say so you go to the Star, uh, Star Wars uh, cruise ship and, and you're staying in their hotel and you interact with an Alexa system, let's say it's a white label Alexa, and you put on top a, a, another voice or another character and personality from Disney. So you're interacting with that specific, um, nice. character. So I thought That's that was a cool. really interesting way to diversify the Alexa value <laughs> offering.
1: I just imagine, just if, you had, imagine if you had, imagine if you had R2D2 or bb and they just beeped back at you. <laughs> it's so, broken. I mean, it's so actually, interesting. It's the weather like today. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
0: I mean C T B y can talk, that'd, right? So that'd it's be fine. bloody
1: that'd be bloody useless, but yeah, fair enough.
0: I'm sure they will, they will find a way to do it. I thought that was really that really, really interesting approach that I haven't seen at least Apple going for. Or I wouldn't see would you see Apple going for a, a similar white label
1: in Siri? No way. No way. Maybe we characters Same. from um Maybe with characters from um Apple T V plus or something. Like Ted Lasso's Siri voice or something, I don't know,
0: but Yeah. Not I don't think it's that valuable. Like Disney has such a much, you know what I mean? Disney has such a a, a brand, um, the brand value that can add, I like, can put Alexa, bring Alexa to the next level. Um, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. No cool. Um, all right. So
1: what was your favorite talk then? What did you so, do oh, on the second day? So many, so many, I, I can't remember the days, uh, but pretty, pretty early on in, in the event, um. I went to listen to uh, Jessica Spence, who is the yeah. CBO, which is the chief brand officer uh, of Beam Suntory. Um, Beam Suntory is, um, it's basically a, a, an alcohol company. They've got loads of alcohol brands, um, like from post Japanese whiskey to like Jim Bean, loads of brands that you've heard of. And she was talking about, you know, what it takes to be like a modern CBO in the, in, in the present. Now, basically chief brand officer basically means chief marketing officer. Right, uh, but it's actually kind of a different, she was basically saying that like how she's got a different approach to, to, to this particular role in, in comparison to her other ones, where you kind of look at yourself less as a marketer trying to drive sales, you look at yourself more as a steward for the various brands, and of course in Beams and Tory, you've got lots of different sub brands, right, um, and that was really, really interesting. I thought she was really inspirational, but what I really liked about her, actually what I like in general about marketing is that, you know, in marketing, you've got to. You do creative stuff, but it's tied to the, you know, cash at the end of the day and revenue, and a lot of people see those as opposing things, right? Oh, I'd love to be creative, but we have to try and make revenue or whatever else it might be. But what she was saying was that actually like you need, basically what she said was that these things have to work in the same direction and that she sees creativity as a way to go and make that revenue. She said, I love creativity because it does do the numbers, right? It actually works it results in revenue. And what she's done is she's created these um, uh, cross-discipline teams um, that are like stewards for the brand. So from engineers all the way through to like, um, you know, creatives to finance people and things like that. And she brings them all together into teams that work on each brand. And that's who she manages to manage that brand. And actually says the the worst marketers are marketers. And actually it's really helpful to have a real cross-functional team. I thought she was really, really impressive. I thought she talked really articulately. Also, she talks a lot about um, how, for these massive, massive companies, like your relationship with creativity that you basically buy from agencies uh, is changing as well. And um, I thought that was that was really cool. And it yeah. just made me really, really appreciate kind of brand and, and that kind of stuff once again. Yeah. Cross-functional teams are so
0: important. I, I Like going to the office, I've realized this now that, that I, I started going to the office and the fact of, of just talking to people that are working in completely different projects, just mm-hmm. give you, gives you a sense of perspective of what the company as a whole is working on. Mm-hmm. And, and the problems that other people in other teams are having. So you can put those things into perspective once, even once you're having a conversation with, let's say a, a designer that, you know, maybe you talk to designer A and you heard his problems or her problems, and then you're going to talk to designer B and then designer B is not telling you that, that she or he has those problems but you can kind of sense it so you can put those things into perspective even before you have that that conversation with them um, and i think that's just so helpful to just understand the the perspective of each skill um, mm-hmm. how, do you know how exactly she
1: created those cross-functional teams did she talk more about it uh, to be honest uh, not really um no yeah. this actually might have been a frustration you had about the event but like no talk was longer than like 20 minutes Yeah,
0: I I felt I yeah actually the one that we went to with uh, Rajul Wara the the superhuman CEO. Yeah, I felt that could have been much longer than what it was. Yeah, I felt that it lacked.
1: Talking about cross-functional teams real quick, she actually said something else that was really interesting. She said that um, as like a marketing leader or something, you've got you've got three people you need to make real good friends with. The first one is uh your HR partner in who leads HR in your organization because you need the best people. Second one is your CFO because a marketer is really different in marketing. It's sometimes quite difficult to attribute what you're doing to the revenue. And, uh, somebody else who people should listen to is a guy called Rory Sutherland. And he said, um, it's always best to be the, friends with the bastard with the spreadsheet or even better be the bastard with the spreadsheet, which I thought was quite a cool way of of thinking about it. Right. And I I definitely take that to heart these days. Um, and also she said, you need to make sure that you've got a phenomenal relationship with your head of analytics and insight so then you can have the data to make data-driven decision making um again just very very uh, you, you just called it like your uh, your decision circle so those are the people that you need to be involved in making decisions with which i thought was yeah. pretty cool yeah. yeah
0: yeah yeah um absolutely i think yeah going back to to those teams it's so important and i'm, I'm still trying to figure out what's the best way to make those synergies work and i feel that working remotely and, and working from home which is, is very nice it's nice to have the flexibility and so on but it's very hard to make um those cross-functional connections happen mm. uh, but anyway moving forward with uh vora we were saying a superhuman ceo you use superhuman i do i absolutely do use yeah. superhuman. how do you find uh, speaking with your with a creator of a product that you love
1: Uh well to be honest i find it quite frustrating because they kept uh, they kept talking about the price point, which was just a reminder, like every two minutes, about how much I'm paying for this blooming app, um, coming out of my credit card every month. Um, but it was, it was really cool. Um, he was in conversation with, um, the, the CEO and founder of, of a company called Drift. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I, to be honest, the first thing I said to him was when, 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 when we heard the first thing I said to you when I heard him speak was he's English. Um, and it was pretty cool to kind of hear like an accent and somebody you know who looks and sounds like you on stage like that. It's, that's pretty awesome. Um, and uh, you know what he brought to that talk, I think, was a real cool um, product-led mindset. And what I realized was the companies that I was connecting most with throughout the whole event were the kind of product-led ones. And he he outlined mm-hmm. some really cool. Um, he outlined some really cool. Ba- basically, he outlined everything we talked about with Keki in our podcast when we interviewed her a few episodes yeah. back. So go and check that out. Um, but he outlined that to maybe a group of people who, group of people who weren't really expecting that, which I thought was pretty cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah. My, my highlight from that talk was, um, the plug Chick's wheel of emotion. And that's, I didn't know that was a thing. So I started doing some research into that. Mm-hmm. And, and that's all something I always believe that products is emotions. So the way you design products should be used or should be done, in a with the goal of playing around with the user's emotion. Um, so any user experience should play with your emotion and play with frustration, anger, happiness, etc. Sometimes putting frustration into a product before a moment of happiness is actually useful because it makes that happiness point harder, harder to achieve and better, um, which is uh, what a lot of gamification or or game video games use, they play with your emotions. And it's just really interesting that he did that because with Catkey as well, we discussed how. Um, Superhuman has implemented some some gamification techniques in, their, in the whole product design. Mm-hmm. So gamification, I feel, is kind of overused sometimes. Like everyone is like, oh, we're going to gamify I agree. X, Y, Z. that? very annoying. That's the what kind of I, buzzword
1: that would have been at Web Summit like five years ago.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know everything I mean? is gamification. Yeah. But it, the, I think the point here that he's trying to make is it's not gamification. It's playing with your emotions and helping you accomplish something emotionally as well. So... That was that was a massive take for me as well.
1: No, I completely agree.
0: Completely. So check the plot chicks, will of emotions on the show notes. Um, so yeah, and with that we go to the final. Oh no! Big hold closure. on. We talked. We
1: talked talk about our favorite talks. Let me talk about my least favorite talk.
0: Least Quickly. favorite. What are you talking?
1: About? Oh what my word! Talk? Nick Clegg, from Facebook. Oh well, yeah. Now rebranded tell, to Meta. Which was interesting. It. it was interesting. So, um, well, you were you at that one?
0: Yeah, I was with you. I oh yeah, I was, okay. with you, was I? Yeah, that was right after. Yeah, yeah. okay, you yeah, Johnson.
1: Johnson from Magic. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. Um mm. oh my word. So I've never heard of more weak, feeble defence than the one that we heard at Web Summit. So imagine this, right? Opening night, Monday, uh, Monday evening, you know, on the main stage in this arena with like forty thousand people, Frances Halkin comes out and you know, every sentence she says, she's getting applauded because everyone is agreeing with her criticisms of Facebook later into the event a few days later nick clegg joins and i was watching this talk and it moved around the agenda quite a bit and i really wanted to make sure that i was able to make it because i wanted to see nick clegg in, in the flesh so i wasn't able to see nick clegg in the flesh because he dialed in uh, and did a video call yeah. into that arena which was super weird and the poor old interviewer who was actually in website had to like interview a television screen which i thought was pretty pretty you know not the best thing in the world and uh, yeah, just he just rambled on for like for like twenty minutes. I think people genuinely got bored, um, yeah. and you know it was just like, oh my God, like here you are, you've been wheeled out. uh you were late because of technical issues, obviously you woke up late because he was in California, and the uh, and the event was in 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 Lisbon, and yeah, just big, big, I mean I'm glad I've kind of made time for it, but just big thumbs down from me.
0: Yeah, going on that one is when when the interviewer asked him, uh, Francis Hogan said X, Francis Hogan said Y, and then he started the counter argument saying, oh, I think X, Y, Z, I think whatever, or, uh, well, this is it, I think. he. You can't really start an argument with what you think, right? You have to start with these are the facts, this is what the situation is telling us and this is a proof. I,
1: th- I think I, I agree with everything you've just said. However I think you're 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 picking up on a vocal tick more than more than anything else like that rather than a Well but he was a politician. Yeah Isn't I know he was a politician what? I know yeah. politician. He, he was my a politician. Should be to deputy prime minister. Well there we go. So he should be
0: able to fix those ticks quite easily. Like he has a practice. Mm, fair enough. I don't know, mayor of Lisbon really well. He spoke oh, yeah. really well. Never looked In at Washington. the screen. Never, never, never tickled, like, never did anything. He
1: spoke perfectly. Well.
0: Come on. Anyway. Uh,
1: I don't know. I, I think, I think you are kind of, yeah, I'm going to say, I think, I think, I think. What? You're, okay. you're being a little bit unfair to the way that he spoke. And instead, I think you're missing out on just how crap his points were in general.
0: Well, I keep thinking, man. I well, all right. Well, I'm, probably... all right. <laughs> I'm joking. All right. So, third
1: day, I think, or fourth day. We had a big talk. Who was this for? From? Uh well, this both jumped out to uh, to you, you and me on the uh, on the old agenda. Um, and for me, it was the absolute highlight more than anything. I agree. I agree. One hundred percent. So we have a we have a, a. Who was this
0: before we? It was Craig Federighi, Air Force Craig. One himself. What a legend! Yeah. Oh yeah. my word! Oh my. VP of software from Apple. It was a crazy. Uh, talk, it was tw- 20 or 30 minutes, but it felt like, like, like five seconds. It was an incredible yeah. talk uh, in the, in the show notes. We're going to add a video of, uh, of the intro so you can see how it started. But just so you get an idea, the, 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 in, the, the presenter was just saying, everyone, please take all your iPhones out and light up the, the stage. Yeah. And then the music was playing and he was just coming. It was just like, he was a rock star. And I know you, but that was a bit
1: cheesy, though, wasn't it? Like yeah, it was a bit cheesy. Points. But
0: then you realize when everyone gets this, and then he comes out, and then everyone is just clapping, super excited, and you realize that you're in a room full of of quite of nerds and geek people. And I, I, I okay, I I, 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 I accept I belong in that group. And then you realize that everyone is just clapping for someone who's just going to talk about side loading.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <It's> yeah. <the> <laughs> most <laughs> boring topic ever. And then everyone is like, wow, that's loading I don't Incredible. know, when, when, when I was there, like, um, you know, because it's a huge arena, right? And um, I was looking up... I'm a short guy, so I was looking up at the screens quite a bit. And you were sat down, but, you know, sometimes you can't really see it with people's heads. And I was like, no, I've seen Craig Federigi in the flesh. I'll look at him and at this tiny man walking up and down the Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to enjoy this. <laughs> um, but I think, before we talk about the what, let's talk about the how, right? And he was so polished he made one yeah. verbal hiccup and i yeah. don't mean like he he'd said one word and he quickly corrects himself for another like that was it everything else was so polished and you just see you just see that and you just see somebody of that quality come up onto the stage and talk in the way that he did and deliver in the way that he did it was like someone to press play and nothing was going to shake him like it just just happened so polished. Yeah. so so practiced i don't think that was a talk that he'd necessarily given before because he was referring to notes on the screens on the stage i'm pretty sure but even so he was just like i can imagine that someone's been like oh right here are the slides 10 minutes before he's taking a look through them he's like okay cool um gone through the notes He's like, okay great and he just went out and just did it and for me he was just the ultra professional and depend you know like like we'll say we'll talk about what he discussed in a second but just so professional you just think wow that is the level that you have to be at to be Senior Vice President of Engineering at Apple, or whatever it is, or software. Yeah, software. Yeah. SVP yeah, of software. SVP right? yeah.
0: of software. I think, yeah. But also, the, I agree with you. The level of the of the synchrony between animations, his voice, and whatever was was happening around him and the way he moved was just so on point. Like, Do you reckon he was not a out? second later. I, I don't. I don't think so. I think I this think is so like his all. his day to day. Even inside
1: Apple, he probably gives talks with with
0: hundreds of people.
1: The, the way he was so confident, it was just like, he would he had like 15 hours of sleep, woken up, had like a coffee on the, uh, coffee watching the, the tide come in and out for like three hours, meditated for like another two hours and then came to a web summit to come and do his talk. So relaxed and confident. It was yeah. unbelievable. Just yeah. unbelievable.
0: Anyway, should we yeah. talk about what
1: he talked about? Yeah. yeah, Go on. Sideloading. <laughs> so Sideloading is me.
0: basically... When you, um, download an app from a source that is not the app store. That's basically what a sideloading is. Um, and he uses the analogy of imagine you're in a house and basically the government now tells you, and the the house is super secure. You have all the security systems. No, uh, thieves can come in and and steal anything super secure. But the government asks you and tells you, Hey. Now, please open a back door and you have to leave it open so people, delivery people can come and, and drop packages and stuff or we can come and and, and uh, do the check-ins that we need to do for gas, leakage, water, whatever, even even if you are not in. So now you're opening the security of your house for not just good things to come in, but also bad things will come with that. So as you, he was using that analogy through the whole talk to explain why, um, I believe he referred, he'd never referred to it, but he was, he was using the Korea example that Korea is forcing Apple to open its app store and let other mm. parties install, um, third party apps on, 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 on Apple devices. And he was just explaining that whole reason that it's, it's not just because you want to maintain a monopoly, which they, they do. Um, but it's mainly because of security reasons.
1: Yeah, no, I know, I know exactly what you mean. I think. This is kind of like, a, from a business perspective, this is an existential threat to Apple, I think. And if I was in charge of Apple, I'd be doing exactly the same things that they're doing, which is fighting this hard because they make so much money from the app store and so much of their brand is that kind of vertical. Culturally, it's just like we control everything. We control the whole experience end to end. What did you think about his arguments?
0: Well, I I know people say that they're, some, some of them are flawed, some of them are... You can always find a, a a flaw in an argument like this and in business, right? I, I would say security is a big deal at Apple, and I'm sure if they really had to, they can find a secure way or put so many friction points for third-party apps to install apps that it's just nonsense for you to go do that.
1: Yeah, from my point of view, um, I thought the whole kind of house analogy, like, oh, you... you you leave the side door open so people can be putting deliveries into your house, and that's fine. I thought that was just fear mongering. I did not think that was a good argument. I thought actually that was quite, quite cheap almost. It wasn't. It wasn't kind of like an Apple quality argument that I'd expect. Um, but actually, the 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 argument that resonated with with me most was, look, and this is what they should have talked about more rather because they got ridiculed for this for this fear mongering stuff, which I'll talk about in a sec. But like, they should have just really pushed and Craig did make these points to be fair to him. But basically they should have just said, hey, we're iPhone. If you want to sideline apps, get an Android. And the reason why people buy our stuff is because it's simple, because there's only one app store. And you know, there's plenty of choice on the market if people want to do that with their devices. But for me as a kind of like the person who organizes a lot of tech for other people, whether it be at work or in my family, the reason I always recommend Apple is because I know that you can't really go wrong if you're only installing from the app store. You can't mm-hmm. download an application that is supposed to look like your bank's application that isn't actually your bank's application. It's just taking your details and sending it off somewhere else or whatever else it might be. So I don't know why they felt like it was necessary. And they had this on a huge slide. And this was the, there was media at, at the event. And this is what a lot of the media came away with saying. They had a huge slide which said, side loading is a cyber criminal's best friend. I thought that was just a, a silly argument. And it made me tr- cringe a little bit. If, if I'm You being think frank. so?
0: I felt that this was a uh, this was an education talk for the consumer this this was this was not a this is why you should get a, an apple device this was more a hey governments are forcing us to, to do this and we need you the consumer to be on our side I, this yeah. is how i felt it was this, Yeah is but how you felt it I mean, as well
1: Yeah but like at, yeah. at the same time like he should. people love iPhones right you know people the, the presenter came out and said wave your iphones in the air with a torch on and like the whole blooming stadium lit up so you know that just tells you that people love their iphones and if he just said hey you love your iphones the fact that you can't install um applications from third parties is is actually or different sources is probably one of the reasons why you do love your iphone because it's all part of this philosophy of the end to end experience that we control that would have resonated way more than hey by the way if you install applications from Pissed that on the app store like you're just going to be really like it's all for cyber criminal criminality and, and everything like that because people aren't stupid i just thought it was really silly and and some of the comments online were actually really funny in, in response to that i just want to pick out a couple yeah go for, it, go for it one person said i sideloaded once and it made drugs go on my computer drugs someone else said you wouldn't sideload a car somebody else said um my ipad picked up a skateboard and then left my home once i sideloaded onto it Um, and lots of people made the really, really good, um, point that, well, of course you can sideload, i.e. download applications that's not from the app store on the Mac and that's a key part of what makes the Mac a Mac. And somebody else said as well, you know, this kind of decision-making only makes a, a device like the iPad less capable. Um, because it means that the, the app ecosystem is necessarily a bit less rich, but like I said, you do not need Apple. You do not need to go down this route. People already love your devices play on that and tell people. That the reason why they love the device is because they don't they can't do stuff like this. And that's enough. I think there's enough Apple fandomness out there in the world to to carry it through on that argument. Rather on this kind of frankly wishy-washy BSE criminality argument.
0: Cool. I'll send that message to I'll send this episode to Tim and yeah. ask him to, to pass it on to Cray. hundred percent. So this was a, a really nice brief summary of four days of packed
1: conferences anything yeah. else that you want to add uh i just wanted to actually comment on the the tech in the conference in general um and i don't mean the companies there but the fact that how they overlaid tech across this conference so it's, it's a conference for people in tech and the people who organize web summit have this attitude that they're a startup as well and that they're a tech startup so they're, they're famous or they're well known for hiring engineers instead of event planners for example mm-hmm. and How did you feel like the experience was as a user of the conference from a tech point? I thought it was really smooth. Yeah. Yeah. What did they do that impressed you?
0: So first, first you download the app before coming to the event, so you can network and see who's there, see the events, have the calendar schedule, have your own schedule and just sign up to different events that you want to go to. So even before you get to the event, if you actually do it well, which I didn't do it, um, you are already connected to several people. You have your own schedule, the events that you actually want to go to. And yeah, you, you, are ready and set up for success before you even arrive. Once you arrive, everything is connected through a QR code in your tag and you can connect and hang out with people, um, and, and pass through all the security measures through the QR code, um, in your bag and everything is just scanned. And what is really interesting is I get, I guess they can figure out what and I think you mentioned this to me, did you? Like they can figure out if you go to X talk because of your QR code and then you go to another talk, they are able to recommend, okay, if you like this and this, then
1: you're, they're able to recommend, then you're probably like this one, the third one. Yeah. 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 I thought it, I thought it was pretty cool. Um, d- Just a quick question. Like they, they encouraged lots of people to use the app to network with each other and things like that. Yeah. I didn't. I always ask for people's LinkedIn's. I uh, just yeah. to connect with them on LinkedIn. Like, did you... I feel like you were kind of more pro scan my QR code on my chest and we'll connect yeah. and talk through the app. Did Did you manage to carry through any of those conversations or, or anything like no, that? No,
0: because I didn't have any conversations with, I, I did have the conversations, but I didn't have any follow-on. But I know oh, okay, I know that you can export the contacts. So you say, hey, export these contacts and it will send the, the email to those people in a, in a CSV file.
1: Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. All right, then cool. how
0: do you find the LinkedIn?
1: Then yeah, I guess you have to do that manually. Honestly, yeah, yeah, exactly. Just like, oh, hey, yeah. name, I'll add your LinkedIn. I, we should feel old school.
0: To be honest, people if people might have in their profile their LinkedIn. Yeah, that is a good point. So you just have to click in each of them and connect on LinkedIn.
1: No, fair enough, fair enough. Oh, yeah. And final final question. Lisbon. Oh, what, what a beautiful what a, city. What a city. What a city. Incredible. Lisbon, you're Incredible. doing it right. Yeah. Lisbon, you are doing it right. Yeah. Luigi, well, where can people go if they want to learn more about the show?
0: Well, you have a couple of places. Number one, Twitter, designbios underscore FM, occupied, and at luigi underscore Toronto. And if you want to support this show, you can go to our Patreon, where you will find all the links that we talk about, all the show notes of this episode and other episodes, but they are free. Um, and if you want to support this podcast, you can just donate or give a gently um, donation of £3 a month. And we will reinvest all of this into the show to bring more and more higher quality episodes to you great talking to you ravi this time and great to hang out with you in lisbon see you next time